Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianmedia.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. It's rather providential that the name of this program is Light, Light of the East, because light is a significant component or theme of the morning prayer of the Byzantine Church. The morning prayer of the Byzantine Church is referred to as matins, and this word actually is derived from a Latin adjective, matutinus, denoting a morning prayer. And in Greek, they are called orthros, indicating the dawn, dawning of the day, and the times these services were originally celebrated. So they were celebrated actually in anticipation of the light of the next day, you know, in other words, the rising sun. And basically, there were two parts of what we know today as matins. And matins, especially in the Byzantine church, is one of the most complex of all of our liturgical services. The matin service is actually very lengthy, too, but it's very rich, rich in its biblical references, rich in its theology, just rich in every way. And the two parts that composed matins were actually two separate services. One was the pre-dawn services, or vigil, which was introduced by monks sometime during the 4th century. And then there's the matins proper, or the original morning services that were celebrated at sunrise, or as the sun was rising. They would actually begin before the sun actually rose, and they would be singing and chanting as the sun is rising. You can see, imagine how dramatic that is, to be praying to God. The first words of the day are prayers to Almighty God as you watch the sun rise. I've had that experience many times, especially in Byzantine monasteries, and it's really, really very, very moving to be praying these prayers, which have a lot to do with the theme of light, while the sun is in fact gradually rising as the prayer proceeds. And these two parts were then bound together by what's called the canon, which is a very, very important part of the matins. We'll be getting to that in just a moment. Now, on Sundays and feast days, these morning services were celebrated with great splendor, and they included things like the Psalms, reading of the gospel, and other liturgical hymns. And by the 11th century, the formation of three distinct types of matins could be ascertained. There was the Sunday or resurrection matins, celebrated on Sundays, of course, the festive matins, which were adapted for various solemn feast days, and then thirdly, the daily matins, which was simplified, and I kind of put that word in quotes, because Matins is never totally simple. And without the gospel reading, they didn't have the gospel reading on the weekday, but on Sundays they always did. It was always about the resurrection of Christ. Now, these for Matins stand by themselves, and 
that's another probably another subject another day. But the main thing is there were three kinds of matins. Sunday resurrection matins, the festive matins, meaning for holy days, and also the daily matins. Now, the first part of the present matins that we know today, as we mentioned, developed from the monastic pre-dawn services, or like a vigil or a wake. And it was introduced by the monks as a response to Christ's admonition, stay awake, for you don't know the day or the hour. And that, of course, is from Matthew 25, 13. You do not know the day or the hour when the Son of Man will come. Daybreak, then, with the rising of the sun, remind the Christians of the second coming of our Savior, who is referred to in the Bible as the Son of Righteousness. And that, of course, is in Malachi chapter 4 and the rising sun, Luke chapter 1, verse 78. And so St. Basil the Great, great Byzantine saint, told his monks, we must rise for prayer before dawn so that we are not caught by the sun sleeping. Now, this theme, if we might call it an eschatological, now that's a big word, it means the, a theme of expectation, you know, sort of looking forward as the sun is rising, looking forward to Christ's final coming. It's indicated at the beginning of Matins with the words, the Lord is God and he has given us light. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's from Psalm 118. And according to early documents like the Apostolic Constitutions, written about 380 AD, morning prayers were introduced by the fathers to give thanks to God for, quote, sending us the light, the light of the day. See, once again, that theme of light is very strong in Matins. Now, the earliest description of this celebration of Matins, this pre-dawn celebration, is given to us by a, actually a famous pilgrim named Egeria, about the year 380 AD. And Egeria attended morning services in Jerusalem the actual cradle of the Byzantine rite. And Egeria informs us that on the Sundays in the Church of the Resurrection, the pre-dawn services started as soon as the first cock crowed. And what they would do is they would cite three psalms and a number of prayers. And the gospel, describing Christ's glorious resurrection, as we said, it was read by the presiding bishop. In fact, even to this day, during the matin service, especially on Sunday, the priest, not the deacon, the priest reads the gospel. And if the bishop is present, he would read it. After the gospel, all the clergy and faithful and the presiding bishop chanting hymns proceeded to the adjacent church of the Holy Cross, where another psalm and prayer was recited. And following the kissing of the relics of the cross, the bishop imparted a blessing and dismissed the faithful, who then returned to the church of the resurrection for morning services. Now, in the eighth baptismal instruction delivered in Antioch about 388 AD, St. John Chrysostom admonished the newly baptized to show great zeal in attending morning prayers daily in their churches, to thank God for all the gifts given to them, and to beseech him for his powerful help. So, in other words, imagine St. John Chrysostom admonishing, back in the fourth century, newly baptized to attend matins every day. Now, matins, if you attend it today, especially in monasteries, it's the full matins. For instance, if you go to Holy Resurrection Monastery in Nazians, Wisconsin, which I highly recommend that you do, you will see there the experience of matins in its fullness every day. And it takes about, oh, probably about an hour and 45 minutes. Not that we need to use a time clock for our worship, but it just gives you some idea of how elaborate matins is and how in monasteries they would do it every morning with great length and great zeal. And this is what Chrysostom was admonishing people to do. Now, of course, the daily matins would be more brief, but still, they're very full prayers. They're not real quick, short prayers. They're very full. There's a continuity there with what was the practice of the early Christians, even the Jewish people, where they would pray in the morning and in the evening, at the rising of the sun and setting of the sun. Very appropriate. And later on, more services were added throughout the day. So basically, you end up with prayer or appropriate prayer services happening throughout the entire day. 
basically on a 24-7 basis if you really do it in its fullness. And there are some monasteries that do. Now, the nucleus of the morning prayers, the, the, the ancient morning prayer service, was the ancient morning hymn, Glory to God in the Highest. And many of you, if you are the Latin rite, you would recognize that too. It's the prayer that we share together as Eastern and Western lungs of the church. Glory to God in the highest and to his people on earth, peace and goodwill. Lord God, Heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your that is introduced by the priest raising his arms facing east, which of course is the direction of the rising sun, and exclaiming, glory to you who show us the light. And the people continue with the glory to God in the highest and to his people on earth, peace and goodwill. Now we come to the most characteristic part of Byzantine matins. And that, as I mentioned, is, is the canon. Now we've gone through matins thus far rather briefly, but you, hopefully you get the basic idea. The main thing to remember is that it was two services that got combined and then took on three different kind of versions, namely the Sunday Resurrection Matins, the Festival Matins, on the words for a feast day, and also the Daily Matins. The most characteristic part, as I mentioned, is the canon, the Matins, and it links the other two together. Now, the canon is a complex liturgical poem composed according to a specific rule or standard, and that's why it's called canon. And this is the part that's perhaps maybe... Well, the most fun part. I mean, the whole thing is fun, in a matter of speaking, spiritual fun. But the canon is sometimes the most interesting part because it's the part that conveys the theology with that great genius of the Eastern Church, especially the business church, for that dogmatic hymn that convey through poetry our theology. And they can be very, very beautiful, very clever, very sophisticated poetry. And so they're called the canons. And there are nine of them, and these nine canons are odes symbolize the nine angelic choirs who unceasingly pray day and night and praise Almighty God. Once again, our friend Egeria, the pilgrim to Jerusalem, said that the faithful proceeding from the church of the resurrection to that of Calvary were chanting hymns. And these hymns probably were these biblical canticles, praising God for his gracious benefits bestowed on the chosen people. Now, since Matins evolved along the lines of what were the morning services of praise and thanksgiving, these biblical canticles were eventually adapted by the Christian communities as their liturgical morning hymns. So, these odes, as I mentioned, kind of the fun part, the most fun part of Matins, although I know that's maybe not the most appropriate thing to say, but I think you understand what I mean. Sort of like the, the part that gets really interesting. These nine modes were the nine biblical canticles, and they're selected by the Christian communities for their morning services. So we're going to look at those nine odes when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. 
You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Now to the Vatican and the surprising comments by Pope Francis sending shockwaves through the Catholic Church this morning. Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya. Now I know that many of you feel confused, beleaguered, or at a complete loss as to how to articulate or defend the Church's teaching on some of the really hot-button issues of our times. Well, join me for breakfast and listen to my talk on the sexual issues of our day and the Catholic response. Cassidy Lynn Campbell is one of five students in the running for homecoming queen. She's the school's first transgender teen nominated to the court. Join Father Loya Saturday, November 23rd at 9.30 a.m at the Lexington House in Hickory Hills, Illinois. This event is sponsored by Catholics Transforming Culture. Saturday, November 23rd. The Lexington House is at 9717 West 95th Street in Hickory Hills. Register at CatholicsTC at eventbrite.com. CatholicsTC at eventbrite, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. Do you know what the Christmas spirit is? Some say the Christmas spirit is a feeling, a feeling of love, joy, and peace that comes this time each year. (laughs) You know, it's not a bad answer. It's just incomplete. The Christmas spirit is the living presence of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit actively animating and perfecting the lives of Christians. In fact, the love, joy, and peace that we associate with the Christmas spirit are what St. Paul calls the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Many wish the Christmas spirit could be with us all year round. Well, I've got news for you. It can. Why do you think I'm so jolly? So even long after the Christmas decorations are stored away, our hearts can be filled 365 days with the same love, joy, and peace that the angels proclaim to the shepherds. If we are open to the power of the Holy Spirit, the true Christmas spirit. For Christ is born, glorify him. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lohia, your host. And by the way, hopefully you've all gotten into the rhythm of fasting, penance, and charity. That's right, because we are in the period of the Philip's Fast, which of course is the penitential period in the Eastern churches leading up to Christmas, the Nativity, the Incarnation, the Great Mystery, the Great Condescension, the Great Kenosis, so many names for it, (laughs) and Prayer, fasting, and charity is our way of preparing for that. In the Latin church, of course, it's known as Advent, which, by the way, originally also was a season of penance. That's why in the Latin church they use the color purple in their vestments and their churches during Advent. Yes, it is a time of joyful expectation, but it's also a time of cleaning house. Just as you clean house, getting ready for guests, and for the celebration of Christmas, so too do we clean our spiritual homes by prayer, fasting, and charity. So hopefully you're taking that very seriously. And again, the traditional practice would be no meat or dairy products Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, you don't have to observe it that strictly. That's the traditional practice. But there is something that we all should do, especially if we want to be good Eastern Catholics. Do something that cleans our house. After all, the rest of the world takes this season as a season of taking on, of consuming more, of indulging more. And that's not how it's supposed to be. 
First, you step back and divest, open up and clean for the coming of the Messiah. Okay, now back to our odes. As I mentioned, there are nine odes based on the biblical canticles. And these are the nine odes. The first is a song of songs. That's when they crossed the Red Sea. Remember that from Exodus chapter 15. And the song of warning given by Moses to his people before his death, Deuteronomy 32. The song of Hannah, exalting for bearing a son, 1 Samuel chapter 2. The song of Habakkuk, foreseeing the coming of the Messiah. That's in chapter 3 of the book of Habakkuk. The song of Isaiah, rejoicing for the restoration of Israel in messianic times. That's in Isaiah 26. And the song of Jonah, after deliverance from the belly of the whale. Jonah chapter 2. The prayer of Azariah in the furnace of fire. It's in Daniel chapter 3. You know, remember with the three youths would dance around. They danced around in the furnace. They were supposed to be burned up, but they were danced around there because they were saved. So it's a great type of the archetype of the Virgin Mary and also of Christ's resurrection. That's in Daniel chapter 3. The song of thanksgiving of the three young men delivered from the fiery flames in Babylon. Daniel, again, chapter 3. And the canticle of the Blessed Virgin. My soul magnifies the Lord. That's in Luke chapter 1. Now, this is still used as a morning hymn. It kind of introduces the ninth ode of the canon. And it goes like this. First of all, the deacon says, Let us extol the Theotokos and the mother of light and hymns. And then we sing, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Of course, that's from, from Luke chapter 1. And then in between each phrase that is said by the Virgin Mary, we sing this. More honorable than the cherubim, beyond compare, more glorious than the seraphim, who a virgin gave birth to God the Word. You truly the mother of God, we magnify. Then there's the next verse. Because he has regarded the humility of his handmaid, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And again, more honorable than the cherubim, beyond compare, more glorious than the seraphim. Back and forth throughout the nine odes. Now, sometimes on the feast days, high feast days, this ninth ode is replaced by a special ode in reference to the Mother of God. In fact, we have an example coming up this very week. As in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, we celebrate on November 21st the entrance of the Mother of God into the temple. And for that ninth ode of Matins, instead of what I just read to you, we see this. There's an introductory verse, seeing the entry of the most pure one, the angels marvel at how a virgin could enter the Holy of Holies. Then the response is, let no human hand touch the living ark of God, but let the lips of the faithful unceasingly sing the words which the angels spoke to the Theotokos and cry aloud in great joy, O pure virgin, you are truly above all creation. And again, we repeat, seeing the entry of the most holy pure one, the angels marveled at how a virgin could enter with glory into the holy of holies. So again, during the feast days, we have the ninth ode, the normal ninth ode to the mother of God, replaced by a special ninth ode, but it always is dedicated to the mother of God. So nine odes, which are the real sort of interesting fun part, I call it, of the matins. Again, it's all spiritual fun, but it's the most interesting part because it brings across this, this, the genius of the Byzantine spirituality, the liturgical spirituality with the dogmatic hymnody. Now, these dogmatic hymns or odes of the canon consist of three or more short hymns, stanzas called troparia. The first of these is referred to as the irmos. It actually means a connecting link or tie. Since by its leading thought, it, it kind of connects the entire ode to the respective biblical canticle. The tropari that follow the Irmos comment on its leading thought and relate it to the celebration of the day. 
And so the Eremos, by its melody and its leading thought, ties together the many troparia into one liturgical unit, which we now call the Ode. Now, it should be remembered that the second ode of the canon, based on Moses' song of warning, that's Deuteronomy chapter 2, has a purely penitential character and is reserved for the Lenten season. So, taking into consideration the composition and the historical evolution of Byzantine matins, we can say that they developed from the early morning prayers along the lines of praise, thanksgiving, and supplication, inspired by the expectation of the second coming of Christ, and therefore, in the spirit of our ultimate celebration of the heavenly liturgy, we join the angelic host during matins in praise, thanksgiving, and honor to mighty God. St. Basil the Great said, What can be more blessed than to imitate on earth the choirs of angels and to begin the day with prayer? glorifying our Maker with hymns and songs. Now, this may seem like a lot for us today, rather engaging, but for a long time in the church, it was very common. In fact, it still is the official prayer of the church, especially in the Byzantine church, and especially on weekends. The prayer life of a parish on weekends in the Byzantine church ought to be matins on Sunday morning, followed by the divine liturgy, but on Saturday evening, which actually begins the celebration of Pascha of the Sunday, on that evening, on Saturday evening, ought to be the great Vesper service. So we go from Vespers at the setting of the sun to the rising of the sun on Matins, and then the full-blown celebration of light with the Divine Liturgy, the reception of the Eucharist. So those three services really make up what should be the liturgical prayer life of every parish, actually. I know it's not always possible because you need qualified cantors and so on, but there's always something or some part of this that we can do. Certainly, we ought to be able to do Vespers rather completely. Matins, a bit more complicated, but there are books that are available. In fact, a a very handy book that I use is from the Metropolitan Cantor Institute, and that Metropolitan refers to the Metropolitan province of Pittsburgh, the center of my particular church, but there's a, there's a Cantor's Institute there, and some of those Cantors are doing a great job translating and putting together these services to be used in parishes. They've made it very, very user-friendly, and I have to really commend them for that. So that's what we use in my church. So there's full-blown matins that we do. Well, not fully, but pretty close, because it would take just a little too long for pastoral use, so we have to abbreviate just a little bit. But we do it justice, but there is always something that can be done of this liturgical prayer in our parishes. And I think that if our parishes and we as a church, an eparchy or a whole church, are praying properly, that many blessings will come from that. If our prayer is right, and this is something Pope Benedict XVI would say, that if we're worshiping properly, if, if things are okay or correct from the altar, they'll be correct emanating outward from there to the whole church and eventually to the whole world. There's one other thing I want to point out to you about the Matin service, and that is the prayers of the priest. The priest has basically many prayers, but there's 11 in particular that he prays. And this is often done by the priest praying these prayers in front of the icon string while the people, led by the cantors, chant the appropriate psalms. This is all comes at the beginning of the Matin, so the priest will pray silently. But these prayers are also interspersed throughout the Matin service. And just to give you an example of these prayers, they're very beautiful, as always, very rich and beautiful. Lord, holy and uncomprehensible, you told the light to shine out of darkness. You have given us rest in the sleep of night. You have raised us to glorify and praise your goodness. We beg of your mercy, accept us who now worship you and thank you with all our strength and grant all that we ask for our salvation. Reveal to us to be children of light and heirs of your eternal good gifts. In the abundance of your mercy, Lord, remember all your people who invoke your love for mankind and aid those who present 
and who pray with us and those traveling abroad in every place of your kingdom be greatly merciful to all that we may persevere always in confidence being saved in soul and body we glorify your magnificent and blessed name father son and holy spirit now and ever and forever amen thanks for listening i'm father thomas loya on light of the east light of the east mission is christianity's reunion and to tell the story of the eastern lung of the catholic church we need your support in order to keep light of the east on the air You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Would you like to hear this Light of the East program again? Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Or hear Father Loya's companion program, A Body of Truth. Just visit the radio page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Or hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. Hear it again. For the first time. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. (laughs) 